All right. Thanks for those WhatsApp voice notes. So yesterday um, we were reflecting on the issues that are faced in particular when it comes to parole and how the system works in the country. And we were doing that through the prism of the Lee Matthews uh, matter where the family had been notified recently of a mediation process that they were being invited to, which could uh, which would have, you know, which would have resulted in in some kind of process for Donovan Moodley to be, uh, you know, to to be considered for parole. Now, the Correctional Services Department came out to say that was in fact not the case. But during that conversation, we received uh, so many different calls from our listeners and Tabiso in Grunstadt was one of them and he spoke about how somebody who had um, molested his niece had been released on parole. Let's just take you back to that call that was made by Tabiso yesterday to give you a bit of context, especially if you had missed that conversation. Katie, I have a niece of mine that was molested and the accused was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Mm-hmm. But he only says one year. When we inquire about what, what happened, they said uh, has been out on parole because of COVID-19. So, okay, so I, was, I like to be informed. Uh, how was that the accused can save only one year while he was sentenced for 15 years? When, when, when did all of this happen, Tabiso? That happened in 2019, Katie. So he was sentenced in 2019 for 15 yes. years. But he, he was released last year, 2020, because of COVID-19. And and which part of the country did this t- t- take place in? The, the accused was sentenced to Welcome Regional Court. Uh. Yes, Kevin. Yo. And, and the family wasn't notified at all about nothing, this? Nothing, Kevin. Nothing. My brother went to the police station and he was told that they will investigate what happened. So even now, we are still waiting for the answer of what happened. And how did you guys come to find out that he had been released? We only saw a cruise on the street, Jesse. Luke, this is probably the worst way that it can happen. Hello, hello, Luke? That wouldn't be part of the proper parole process because, you know, there's obviously... A, a time that you have to serve as a minimum mm-hmm. in order to qualify for parole. What he's, what, what he's, uh, what your call is talking about and the, the, the convicted person in his instance seems to be one of those that received those pardons during COVID to reduce the numbers. Now, one of the questions we are asking, and it's, it's a fantastic call because we were asking what kind of people are being released from prison on what conditions? Mm-hmm. Because also how they've been supervised, where are they reporting to? Are they uh, sufficient correctional service officers, parole officers, to monitor these people who've been uh, released into the communities. And I don't have the exact amount um, on hand, but I believe it's in the vicinity of 15,000 that were released under that, um, you know, to empty the prisons under COVID. Mm. Because you'll remember they locked the prisons down first when COVID first Mm. started because Mm. of the, you know, the overcrowding and the conditions and the worry about people dying within prisons and what that would mean for the government. Okay, so let me welcome Logan Maestri. He is the Deputy Commissioner for Communications in the Department of Correctional Services. Uh, Mr. Maestri, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Cathy, and good morning to your listeners, and many thanks for the opportunity. Mm. Just l- reflecting then on the issue that was raised by uh, one of our listeners, Tabiso, yesterday, he, you've heard the call and what he has said, that as somebody who had been sentenced for molesting his, his niece has been released a year after uh, of what was supposed to be a 15-year sentence. How are you able to explain this as the Department of Correctional Services? Well, Kathy, it's very difficult to comment on that specific case because we don't have all the facts. And just from the little bit that I heard on the clip, it definitely doesn't correspond with the legislation. You would recall that uh, the president of our country's excellency, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa, in terms of Section 842J of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, for the purpose of addressing, managing, and combating the spread of the COVID-19 virus in all correctional centers in the Republic, authorized the consideration and placement on parole of certain category of low-risk sentenced offenders who are or would have been incarcerated on 27 April 2020, and that was subject to certain conditions as approved by the Correctional Supervision and Parole Boards. Now, the President did not uh, pardon or grant amnesty or just the mass release of inmates. The President announced a special parole dispensation. And immediately thereafter, uh, the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services, Minister Ronald Namola, then had a media briefing on the 8th of May 2020, where he outlined to the country exactly what the special parole dispensation was about. And he went into length. Now, just to, to recap, uh, this was the following category of low-risk sentence offenders qualified for special parole dispensation. Now, this was not a mass release. Parole, you would know, doesn't mean the end of sentence of an offender. All that it means is that an offender, after having complied with certain criteria, completed certain uh, courses, and the Correctional Supervision and Parole Board sees that this offender meets the criteria, he will then be released from a correctional facility to complete the remainder of his entire sentence in the community and not in a correctional center. If he violates any of those conditions, he will then be taken back to a correctional facility. Now, according to what the president announced, these low-risk sentence offenders who qualified for special parole were sentence offenders who will have reached their minimum detention periods within a period of 60 months from the 27th of April 2020. So all that means is that their consideration for parole was brought closer to address the issue of overcrowding in correctional facilities because you couldn't social distance in a correctional facility due to COVID-19. But the following did not qualify for consideration. Lifers, sexual offenders, uh, murder and attempted murder, sedition, high treason, sabotage and terrorism, gender violence, child abuse, offenders declared as dangerous, offenders certified as mentally ill, Offenders with further charges, those who escaped or absconded, um, those who were out on bail, violations under the Domestic Violence Act, armed robbery with aggravating circumstances, and any attempt uh, to commit any of the above crimes. So clearly from the little bit of information that you've given, that crime did not qualify. It didn't qualify, um, Logan, but it doesn't necessarily mean that in this instance it did not happen. 
Tabiso has said that he and his family are currently involved or in, are trying to pursue a court process where they begin to understand how it is that this man effectively was released. So it raises questions such as, does the Correctional Services Department have a full list of the inmates that were released during this process? Cathy, we have a full list of all inmates. Like I explained to you, parole is a process um, which starts with the what we would call the case management committee. It goes on to the Correctional Supervision and Parole Board. Uh, it then goes on to, in the case of lifers, to the National Council of Correctional Services. It goes on to the Minister of Correctional Services. We then have monitoring uh, officials that monitor parolees uh, because if the parolees uh, commit an offense, then they need to be back into our correctional facility. So it's just not a willy-nilly process. And it's a process that must be done in, uh, in line with legislation. It must be a process that has to be monitored. In fact, just to give you an idea, in South Africa we have approximate, uh, an offender population of just under 200,000. At this stage, it's actually 199,373. Now, of that, in our correctional facilities, we have 139,005. And in community corrections, currently, as we speak, these are parolees and probationers, we have 60,368 people that are serving their sentences outside of a correctional facility. Parolees are 51,995. Probationers are 7,484, and awaiting trial are 889. We have a list of all these people who are monitored, and these are the amount of parolees. And in fact, last year, uh, we had a 99% success rate in terms of those who did not violate or commit any violations. The 1% is concerning. Some of them commit uh, heinous crimes, and we're doing our best to monitor that. Obviously, we will want a situation where none of our parolees and probationers commit any crimes, but currently we do have those that commit crimes, and we do our best to get them back into our facility. But the is, is it possible, Mr. Maestri, that in, in all of this, because I, I hear you in, a, in as far as the administrative process that has been set out by the department and that which should be followed, but is it possible that there are people who were released even though they were not due for parole? No, that's not possible. Absolutely not possible. Because I why, said, why do you say that? Because, like I said, there was criteria that was followed when you had to be considered for parole. Besides that, that process has to go through the case management committee. It has to go through the correctional supervision and parole board. Then they check as well whether all the, the, the criteria has been followed. It goes for quality assurance process to the regional offices. It's quality assured then by the director pre-release resettlement. So there are various sections in the department, and this is monitored on a daily basis by these various directorates. So there is no way that those who did not qualify with the criteria were released into communities. So, 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 so and, and I hear you in terms of how you believe that um, the system is, 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 you know, is, is, is fail proof. But are you saying that there is no likelihood that 
people who were not due for parole could have been released even um at 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 because i, I also you know i, I have I, i'm i have an appreciation for the fact that they they different levels at which things operate so at a national level you could well believe that you know the system cannot be bypassed in any way whereas you find how that how that's translated at a local level is different no Kathy there mm. is no way that this process because we are aware of the implications and we because if you look at the mission of the Department of Correctional Services it's to contribute to a just peaceful and safe South Africa through effective and humane incarceration and we have to make sure that these processes happen according to uh, the way it should happen and that's why we have these various uh, categories of processes making sure that the profile reports are considered the profile reports are looked at but as i said where we had a challenge was that of the 14000 um, you know, uh, inmates that were released into the system of community corrections, at least uh, 14,005 to be exact, 126 then violated their parole conditions and we had to bring them back into our correctional facilities. Now, whilst this is less than 1%, 0.98%, this is what concerns us, the violations that have been committed by the parolees. But there is no way that anybody who did not fulfill the criteria was released into the system of community corrections. Because even in the system of community corrections, they are still the responsibility of the Department of Correctional Services. It doesn't mean that their sentence has ended. So while they are in the system of community corrections, the Department of Correctional Services has to monitor them. We visit them on a regular basis. Uh, we make sure that they comply with their parole conditions. So there is no way that somebody was released who did not qualify in terms of the criteria. Mm. So, so here's what we'll do, Logan. We'll pass on Tabiso's details to you um, so, that, so that you're able to follow up on this matter because one of the things we've been told is that um, this individual has also been you know, saying to the family and to his victim that, you know, there's nothing that they can do and basically intimidating um, the victim in particular, who in, in this instance is, is a minor. So the circumstances around the case in general, I think, are quite concerning. No, okay. I agree with you, Kathy. Please pass it on to us. But something yeah. else as well, we just don't release people into the community. We have to make sure that they have a support system. We have to convince ourselves that that support system is adequate. We have people signing for them. So even that process has some questions. But I agree with you. Please pass on those details with us and we will follow it up as soon as possible. Yeah, and, and as you heard, you know, Tabiso says that they found out about his release um, by bumping into him in, in the streets. And you can imagine for a young minor who's been sexually violated in that way, it's incredibly traumatic. No, it's concerning. But like I said, it doesn't fit the criteria and the process, but we will definitely follow it up because it's also concerning for us as a Department of Correctional Services. All right, so, so we'll, we'll wait for the update on this particular case. Uh, Mike in Durban, uh, good morning to you. Oh, morning, Hi, Kathy. Mike. Yes. Right. Uh, my son, 29-year-old son, driving his car one night up Smith Street, was accosted by three people. He was kidnapped from there, hands tied behind his back, ankles tied together, shoved into the boot of his car, taken out to a bushy area, assaulted, tortured, robbed, then murdered. Uh, this 
the leader of the gang, a, a subhuman human person, was let out by Mandela when Mandela gave blanket amnesty to people. He gave amnesty to thousands. This guy was in jail on a 15-year charge. He, he was given 15 years for a serious charge. He only served eight months. Right, he was the leader of the gang. He, he, he applied in uh, uh, 2014, February 2014 for parole. He was turned down. He tried again. He's been turned down. I'd like to read a couple of headlines here. Lifers are no closer to parole, 2017. Uh, 2017, High, High Court Lifer Order. Minister to Appeal, uh, Tribune, uh, August 2017. Westfield Prison Lifers Parole Hearings Postponed. Okay, Mike, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to try and speed it up for me. Yeah, okay. Then again, November 2019, Lifers seek, seek Parole via Court. Now, then in... 2020, the minister, Ronald Lamona, stated, parole system is flawed, but not broken. Huh? <laughs> That's the mercury. Uh, then you've got uh, the Independent on Saturday, 2019, May. Life term sentence rule to change. Mike, to change it. Mike, I need you to get to the point. Right. Now, this fellow, the, 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 the leader of the gang is still in. Two of, them got, two of them got life sentences for my son's murder. The other guy, half-brother, worked for Murder and Robbery Squad. They organized him, state witness. Uh, he, came, he came out scot-free. Uh, this, the, same, the same guy that murdered my son just after it, murdered two young Indian boys and Pagatwa after them. But Pagat couldn't get their hands on them, like I tried to get my hands on so You wouldn't be breathing today if I'd got him. Hey, so, I'm hot for. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not nice. But uh, he's languishing in prison at, uh, at taxpayers' expense. Okay, Mike, I'm going to have to leave it there with you. And, and, and I can understand, you know, the frustration of having, um, you know, your your son's killers effectively being let out on, on the streets. I'm not sure that you had um, a, a particular question more than a comment when it comes to the parole system. Let me move on to Mlu in Durban. Mlu, good morning to you. Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Kathy, just one, 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 one thing to, to, to praise. I want to praise the Department of Education. I just got my job. Smooth flowing. The process is smooth. Everything is perfect. That's great news, Blue. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's, perfect. And, 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 where, and where did you get vaccinated? It was in Clarewood Hospital. Okay. Awesome perfect. stuff. All right. On the question of uh, parole, Kathy, mm. I, I think now we have, uh, we, have, uh, we have these issues now that have been cropping up with paroles. Being uh, legs in terms of uh, releasing uh, dangerous prisoners to the society. Now, what I wanted to propose, Kate, is that because I, under my understanding, if I'm correct, is that there is only one parole board that sits uh, and to, to, to do to do the review of the particular uh, uh, prisoner. 
can this now we have about let's let's have about three committees. When when one committee does the approval, then it must be elevated to a district level and probably to a provincial level before they can approve that particular person to be released on a parole. Okay. All right, Lou. Let me get Logan Maestri's view on that. Logan? No, absolutely. But that's already in place, Cathy. Like I said earlier on, we have the case management committee. It goes up to the correctional services and uh, correctional uh, parole board. Uh, in the case of lifers, it then goes out to the National Council of Correctional Services, and this is an independent body. It consists of three judges. It consists of a magistrate. It consists of the Deputy Director of Public Prosecutions, two members of the department, the South African Police Service, um, a member of the Social Development Department, then experts, psychiatrists, psychologists, and then those recommendations from the National Council of Correctional Services go to the minister. So it's something that we don't take lightly because we understand the impact Mm. of crime. We understand the impact it has in our society. So we want to make sure that these processes are thoroughly followed before inmates are released into the system of community corrections or parole. But but you do acknowledge that there have been some um, flaws in the system, especially even if we just look at the, the Lee Matthews matter, where there's been contradictory messages about Donovan Moodley and when he would have been eligible for parole and all of those messages coming through from the Department of Correctional Services. No, Cathy, there's been challenges in the system, but when you say the messages are coming through from the Department of Correctional Services like that, I'm not sure what you're referring to because we've been very, very clear. I'm, I'm referring to the first message that had um, gone out to the Lee Matthews family that had said that Donovan Moodley would only be eligible for parole in 2030. And that was followed by the recent message um, that he is, in fact, due for parole in, I think, 2022. I could be mistaken on that but number. Kathy, that's not but that correct. date we has have been brought forward. Cathy, we have documentation where we have communicated with the Matthews family, uh, so that is incorrect because the minimum detention period is as legislated by the postular judgment as we've constantly been explaining. But but that's not what the family is saying. That's not what the family says, but we have correspondence in writing where we've communicated accordingly with the family. But why would the family lie about this? I'm not sure. I cannot comment on that, but we can show correspondence in that regard where we have communicated with the family and we continue to communicate with the family because for us this is a very, very important matter. And that crime in particular is something that we take very, very, very seriously. Logan Maestri, he is the Deputy Commissioner for the Department of uh, Communi- uh, for the De- De- Deputy Commissioner for Communications, uh, rather in the Department of Correctional Services. All right, it's eleven o'clock. Luanda Maume is standing by with the latest news update.